0: introducing the planet fitness guide to getting that post-workout glow step one what's your why more epic energy better sleep blow off steam step two join planet fitness for one dollar down ten dollars a month cancel anytime and get moving go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment step three bask in that post-workout glow join planet fitness today for one dollar down ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday october 14th it's Low time. Seek club for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered today by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me on his triumphant return to the podcast (laughs) after one day off is your Denver Broncos
2: reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. What's good, my brother? Not much, Chad. It's nice to be back. You know, you, you take a time away for yourself, and you get out of the swing of things, and you you ache for that return. No place like home, you know, so it's nice to be back. What's up with you?
1: Oh, you know, just uh, keeping that content machine grinding. I'm Pranking sure out? Oh, yeah. I'm sure we had plenty of uh, listeners Monday morning who were crying into their coffee cups because— you know, they heard Chad mm-hmm. on the podcast, but no Zach. I know there are plenty of listeners. In fact, you know what's funny? There is uh, one of the VIP subscribers. I was reading a comment today on uh, MHH Insiders on our VIP forum on the website. And uh, it was, I think it was on a thread that was a call out for VIPs for the Friday VIP mailbag. And this, uh, I think it was Stud Lee 14. We've talked about him before. He's very active on the VIP mailbags. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, Zach, I miss Zach. Zach's, you know, he's, uh, what did he say? He said something to the effect of, you know, my, I, I share Zach's, whatever Zach's initial reaction typically is to something breaking in Broncos country, I usually share his perspective. And I
2: was like, that's, yeah, that's, he's, he was jonesing, bro. That's great. Subtly, I appreciate that, man. I, I hope you like this podcast and I appreciate all your support.
1: We uh, got some good stuff to get to today. Plenty of interesting Broncos topics to dive into. But first, just a couple of matters of quick business. You guys follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. The reason you want to do that is so that you can be, you can have your finger, so to speak, on the pulse of the show. You want to stay engaged on what's happening with the Huddle Up Podcast in real time as we cover your Denver Broncos. Sometimes it might be the odd Twitter mailbag, it might be questions for guests, it might be we'll put call-outs for topics you want us to cover. So the best way for you To be involved And engaged in that Is to follow the show On Twitter So open up Right now you're listening On your phone Odds are A mobile device Exit out real quick The podcast will keep playing Open up Twitter Find at HuddleUpPod And then you'll be locked in then also Take some time Leave a creative review You guys have done A great job lately Getting our reviews up As I mentioned On yesterday's show The last time I had looked We were at like 60 some odd reviews On iTunes And now we're well Into the 80's Let's bump that Into the triple digits Let's get up over 100 You guys can help us do that So So uh, leave a creative review, rate the show. You have no idea how much that helps Zach and I and the Building the Broncos dudes as well. Reach new listeners, grow, keep the show healthy. All right. So today we have some analysis points we're going to get to. But Zach, first, let's just touch on some of the news that broke on Monday. Um, Mm -hmm. we, We learned that Joe Flacco... And there was pictures of him in uh, DIA at the airport in Denver. <laughs> with us common folk. Yeah, right. with his bag, yeah, looking with, stressed. With the great unwashed masses. But he came, he got his his obligatory physical, and it sounds like he passed. Things are good to go.
2: Yeah, it uh, paved the way for the trade to become official on March 13th. They started the new league year and also free agency. And uh, once that happens, the Broncos and Flacco can openly discuss a trade. I expect there to be a press conference with him holding up that number 5 jersey. Uh, until then, there's going to be radio silence, but he did pass that physical. He had a hip issue last year. It's looking all good. You know, that brings up a,
1: a separate issue, the idea of the hip. I want to get to that in just a second. But one thing that we're both curious to see how – Elway and Fangio handle the situation is both of them are going to be made available to the media, to the national media at the Combine on the opening day, which is when <laughs> head coaches and GMs take the podium. Awkward. And it's going to be Yeah, how are they going to <laughs> dance around that particular issue? Because you know the national media is going to be pressing. That tall quarterback who wears number five, who wore purple at one time. <laughs> what do you think about him? Hey, John, in a figurative sense, if you were to get a quarterback like Joe Flacco, <laughs> what would that do for your offense? Mo Paco. There you These go. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But another thing, you brought up the hip. You know, they're obviously because it's a recent injury, you do want to you know get a little bit of a look, see, and that's you know, Obligatory for any trade that takes place. Players have to pass the physical. I mean, you sign a new player, they got to pass the physical. Everything's contingent on the physical, so that's mm-hmm. not like anything new, but in this case, the Broncos want to make sure that hip's doing okay, but setting that aside, the idea that Flacco is somehow injury-prone, it's actually a false narrative. It's fake news, because he's been in the NFL 11 years, so going into 2018, which was his 11th season, he had only missed six starts in his entire NFL career, which is... I mean, it's maybe
2: it's not quite Iron Man, but it's damn consistent. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in this day and age, all these quarterbacks going down, you want a guy who's going to remain under center, and a guy who's been there, done that, a veteran. And there's a lot of false narratives, as, as you put it, Chad, out there about Joe Flacco, that he's not this and he's not that. And the more that facts come out, the more that some fans are starting to come around to this trade. I myself am not a believer yet. I don't really care about the past. I want to see what he will do with the Broncos in 2019. Uh, but that's a good way to put it, that his injury history last year is not indicative of what he's been throughout his career. So uh, he's past his physical. He's healthy. The question will be: No, how does he adapt to this offense? Will he be an upgrade over Case Keenum? The injuries aren't a factor. It's his adaptability and his ceiling in this offense.
1: hmm That's right. And I've I remain adamant in the research I've done and just reading this, the tea leaves and the signs. I think it portends well for Flacco and Denver. And again, you know, get the you can't use the the Peyton Manning arrival as any kind of comparative. Uh, perspective as it relates to Joe Flacco because they're just completely different quarterbacks. But I am really excited to see what that arm can do. I went back. In fact, this is a good example to point to the article that Josh Carney published for the VIP subscribers on the website on Monday which was just kind of a – it wasn't too in-depth, but it was a little bit of a dive into some film on Joe Flacco. And some of those pieces, some of those uh, video clips that he broke down were from that week three game against the Denver Broncos last season in which he started and basically lambasted the Broncos. It's kind of an ugly loss there in Baltimore. And there's just a few throws there, Zach. One is that throw down the seam to Mark Andrews, the rookie tight end for the Ravens, that just – The Broncos didn't have that last year, that arm strength, that ability to challenge defenses vertically. And so if you structure your offense, you know, it's going to be West Coast, something that he's familiar with, he's thrived in in the past. And if you have a a focus that's on the running game, the play action, you have the pieces around him that can – not only work the underneath and create mismatches, you got Deshaun Hamilton to do that, find the soft spot in the zone. you got your big outside boundary guys in Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. If they can find a burner and a a receiver who can just push the ball down the field and blow the top off of defenses, so to speak, the Broncos might have something to work with, especially if they can get that defense back to playing
2: closer to its 2015-2016 form. It's so funny that you bring up the Broncos game. I was not a fan of this Flacco trade. I obviously am still not a fan of the Flacco trade, but I I really was impressed by how he played against Denver last year. I didn't watch a lot of Flacco, but I remember thinking, watching that game, covering that game, he was slicing and dicing. He made throws, like you said, down the seam, down the sideline. Uh, uh, he was zipping it in there, tons of arm strength. He looked good in the pocket. He held up against the rush. If the Broncos can get that type of quarterback, they can be in business. And you mentioned the box. If anything, this trade will help Philip Lindsay and the running game. They will not face stack boxes, eight men in the box. Teams will respect Flacco's arm for however long Flacco's in the game and protect it. If the Broncos keep him upright, they will get the running game going. So in terms of a burner, I think they should keep Emmanuel Sanders around. They should try maybe restructure his contract, maybe bring in an alternative to him if they get rid of him, but they have to have a a veteran on the roster. They can't depend on three young receivers and Patrick Hamilton. And suddenly they have to get a guy who has some experience. Whether that's Sanders, a guy like Golden Tate, Tavon Austin, but you put it all together on paper with Flacco returning to an offensive system under like under Gary Kubiak with elements of Kyle Shanahan under Rich Gangarello, it's familiar. It fits his arm strength. It fits what the Broncos want to do on paper it's a fit for now for 2019, but the game is not playing on paper. Yep. Uh, injuries can happen. They can fail to protect them. The, the, the receivers can go down. Anything can happen. That's why I want to see it play out. But on paper, uh, it does look pretty good. And and this offense is much better suited to Flacco uh, than Case Keenum.
1: I mean, you're right. Everything always looks better on paper, right? It's when you get into the nitty gritty and the, and the reality and the chips go down that the, the cracks in the hole start to reveal themselves. You find the hole in the boat, so to speak. So there's still some time yet for the Broncos to bolster this roster and kind of formulate exactly what their focus and philosophies are going to be on both sides of the ball. But I do think, you know, when you really boil it down, I mean, think about the seam threat. How many times did Case Keenum, it seems like to me, going just thinking off the top of my head in my mind's eye of the Denver Broncos in 2018, every time Case Keenum tried to push the ball down the seam, to me, I, I think of the interceptions he threw down the seam. Almost every time it was like, you know, either a near pick or an interception. And so with Flacco, he just has the arm strength, he has the height, he has the touch when he needs to, to get it there. And so there's just some different, that's just one example of What a quarterback that has some of the natural gifts that that Flacco has can do for a ball control play action type of offense that the Broncos are looking to deploy in 2018. And it's going to be the West Coast. It's going to look a lot like what we've seen under Gary Kubiak in the past and what Flacco's played in under Kubiak in 2014. But the big difference is like our guest Benjamin Albright brought up, I think it was last week. is that Scangarello, because of his time working with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, he just dresses it up different. It's the same plays. It's the same concepts, but instead of two tight ends and two running backs, you know, which includes a fullback, et cetera, you've got Joe Flacco under center. You've got three wide receivers, a back, and a tight end, and they run the same type of plays, stretch left, inside, outside zone, and the passing concepts are the same regardless of if it's two tight ends or two backs. So it's going to be dressed up a little bit differently. That's going to look, Zach, a lot more like the modern NFL type of offense, maybe minus some of the read option stuff because, let's face it, we're talking about a statue here. I do expect there to be some some run-pass options,
2: though. And there's going to be new and old concepts. So that's what the Broncos are obviously balancing right now with their coaching staff. With the, the direction they're going in, they're, they want – a older defensive mind leading at the top, and they want some younger concepts on offense. They hired a 29-year-old quarterback's coach who has no experience in the NFL uh, or relatively no experience. So um, they want to blend new and old. I want to say one thing about Keenum, though. In his defense last year, he wasn't getting much help at tight end with all the injuries. He was throwing some guy named Hemingway. You saw hireman getting out-muscled for balls in coverage. If they can get a dynamic tight end on the roster, if Jake Buck can come back or Fumagalli can develop after his, his uh, washout rookie season, Season, that's gonna help the Broncos offense be even more dynamic. But they can't ignore their bread and butter, which is the running game, and then taking shots down the field. Cortland Sutton, though, is not a burner. Tim Patrick's not a burner. Emmanuel Sanders, when healthy, is it's all predicated on fitting the offense of Joe Flacco, not the other way around. So they have to have downfield elements and not rely too much on just you know one thing with seam patterns and stuff like that.
1: And the pessimist says, Oh, well. You know, that type of an offense is not going to compete with the high-flying 45-pointers over there in Kansas City. You know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, you got to be able to put up some points or you're not going to contend in the AFC West, which is actually not true. Because if you go back to the two games in which the Denver Broncos played the Kansas City Chiefs in 2018, both games were decided by a single score, okay? And neither one of them were barn burners in terms of points scored. The second game in Kansas City, there were more points scored. But the Broncos kind of kept up, and that was with a really limited kind of floundering Case Keenum. And if you go back to week four, when the Kansas City Chiefs were in Denver, that would have been a Broncos win if Case Keenum connects with Demarius Thomas down the right sideline. Now, who's to say whether Joe Flacco, you know, connects on that pass or not in a, you know, in some kind of, um, you know, way back machine type deal. But just looking at his experience, looking at the amount of games he's played, the amount of of I think it was a good phrase that Eric Trickle used on the podcast yesterday. He's a fierce competitor and with that that competitive spirit comes, you know, countless games started in the NFL. A decades worth of games started, plus fifteen playoff games, ten wins. So I like the odds of Joe Flacco being able to complete those type of passes and what I'm as opposed to Case Keenum. And what I'm getting at here is that That's the model. The Broncos saw how close. That's why John Elway, Zach, remained so adamant that the Broncos are quote-unquote close, is because he saw that the Broncos went toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow with the Kansas City Chiefs, who were the powerhouse of the AFC until the AFC Championship game. The Broncos went toe-to-toe with the Goliath and came up just short. So a couple of tweaks here, a couple of tweaks there. You get a better, more experienced quarterback, even if it's a slight upgrade on paper. You get that guy there that's got more experience. You bring in a defensive mastermind to confound the young upstart Patrick Mahomes. You tweak a few more of the personnel pieces, and maybe
2: you have something, Zach. Look at the quarterbacks in the AFC West. Mahomes, Rivers, Carr. All gunslingers, all downfield throwers. It's obvious, as you said, Elway thinks the Broncos are not in for a rebuild. He doesn't even use the word rebuild. He thinks the Broncos are one or two players away, starting with the quarterback. And someone tweeted me the perfect analogy. It's like putting um, a Band-Aid on a surgical wound and not stitches to close up the wound. That's what Elway keeps doing with Keenum and Flacco. Until they get that young quarterback on the roster, that long-term quarterback, it's not going to matter. He's hoping that they can catch lightning in a bottle with another veteran um, you know, a guy who's entering a twilight like Joe Flacco, who's breaking down, and they can use that defense and maybe make it back to the playoffs. But it's a short-sighted solution, and I don't think it portends well for the Broncos in the long-term hopes for them to ignore what they have to do in terms of wanting to win in 2019. I mean, they're just—it's um, it, very short-sighted to me. And I just don't think Joe Flacco, even if what he brings to the table— is going to help the Broncos that much, they can become contenders again. And even if he does, how much does he have left? I just want to see the whole thing play out. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. Well, both
1: of us, we said last week, our gut reaction to the Flacco trade is, you know, it's something we could rubber stamp if we knew the Denver Broncos were going to really get their franchise quarterback of the future in the first round this year. And talking to Eric Trickle yesterday's show, and it wasn't just what what we talked about with uh, Eric and I, but just reading some of the tea leaves, you know, this whole trade with Flacco takes almost all the pressure off of Elway to maneuver up and get a quarterback earlier than pick 10. But the the thing is, though, I'm worried, just basing it on, you know, the whole best predictor of future behavior is past behavior thing, is that the Broncos are going to use the Flacco trade to talk themselves out of a quarterback. And even if they don't, Zach... Basically, you're you're hinging the idea of the Broncos getting that franchise guy in the 2019 draft on whether or not one of them is going to be available at pick 10. And who knows? I mean, maybe Drew Locke falls to pick 10. Maybe, you know, someone like Dwayne Haskins, though extremely unlikely, falls to pick 10. I doubt it. But who knows? The odds tell us, though, teams are going to are going to have to maneuver probably inside the top five to get one of those two guys. And then Kyler Murray's the wild card. You know, he does shake things up a little bit in terms of, you know, increasing the odds that one of the three will slip a little bit farther down the draft. But if John Elway is not willing to seize the day and pursue and explore any opportunity to move up to get a quarterback in the first round, Zach I don't see the Broncos coming out of this draft with a quarterback. They're going to end up drafting someone in the mid-rounds to groom behind Flacco and then just kind of circle back, kick the can down the road. And I think that's what a lot of fans, too, are worried about. Just, again, going off the old idea. And, again, it's not an absolute, but if you base your life on this as a rule of thumb, more often than not, you're going to be right. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Just like last year, last thing here, Zach, is the Broncos liked Baker Mayfield. They liked the kid from USC, Sam Darnold. But when they weren't there, you know, they didn't push to get up there hard to at least get to three for Darnold. And so by the time pick five rolled around, they were perfectly content to just take Bradley Chubb. And that's what I'm worried about happening again in 2019.
2: I, I honestly think it puts more pressure on John Elway. You know, he rattled the bee's nest, so to speak. He, it put spotlight on something that, that didn't need to put spotlight on. People already question his quarterback decisions. People are already questioning whether he should take Drew Locke or who he's going to take. Who's his next quarterback failure? So now you swap out Case Keenum for another bandit and Joe Flacco. It just amplifies the pressure, amplifies the criticism, and it's just drawing more criticism to Elway's quarterback decisions. A lot of fans, most fans don't like this move. I would say a majority do not like this move or are not convinced just yet. I mean, we took a poll on that. And at that point, I, I think the majority was they don't like it. Yeah, it was a majority. So, I, I mean, until until L.A. solidifies himself as making the right decision and for the long-term benefit of the franchise, whether that's Drew Locke or Haskins or someone in 2020, that is not based on Joe Flacco, though. So, it just put more pressure on him, I think. I don't think it takes any pressure off him at all
1: and fans are still to be honest with you you know part of the the results of that poll i'm sure and the reaction to the flacco trade is the fact that fans are still very much kind of traumatized Over the way the quarterback position has shaken out in Denver since Peyton Manning hung up his cleats, because as well they should be, absolutely. And you go back to 2016, you know, you had the Mark Sanchez trade. He's brought in and paraded around. He's given a freaking podium, an introduction, shaking the GMs. (laughs) It was a very official thing. Where look, this is our starting quarterback because all we have is a second-year Trevor Simeon, who's a seventh-round pick. There's nothing, and then a brand new rookie first-rounder in Paxton Lynch. So, I mean, paraded around Mark Sanchez only to be cut uh, when the final roster is is put together. And then the Keenum deal, Brock Osweiler coming back and flaming out. And, you know, fans are just shell-shocked. They're a little bit traumatized. And so they're seeing the glass half empty, whereas Elway operating as the GM and the the football czar in Denver, he has to kind of view things through through the glass half full. And that's more of what his you know, his overall perspective as as a human being is. I mean, that's a reason why, guys, people don't follow negative Nancys. You know, you're not going into battle with a, let's go, guys, we're all going to die, right? You go into (laughs) battle with the guy who you believe can get you out of it on the other side. And so he's a positive guy. He sees the upside. He sees, you know, you got to be able to also be able to recognize or identify what some of the downside risk is, but he hinges his
2: decisions, I think, Zach, more on what the upside potential might be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he had no credibility at all going into this year. And you, you talk about flame outs and the depressing fan base. How about Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly? There's no young quarterback talent on the roster for the fan base to latch onto. He had no credibility left in the fan base, but at least he was leaving it alone. Most fans assumed Keenum would be back for 2019 would draft a quarterback in the first, second round, whatever. But now you uproot Keenum for Joe Flacco, who is a similar player, if a negligible upgrade on him. And then you're putting even more pressure on the draft because now you lose money with the, the whole turnaround and the, and the salaries and the contracts and this and that, the dead money, yep. and you're and you're in the same position, and you're even putting more pressure on Elway now to get the guy because Flacco's not the answer, as Kingdom wasn't the answer. I mean, he just to me, like I said, it's just it's rattling that 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 beehive when it didn't need to be. Yep. I can't disagree.
1: And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more for us to break down on this subject as we inch ever closer to the NFL draft. So there'll be more time to sink our teeth into this thing. But we do have a few other topics we want to jump into in today's podcast. But first, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Brandon Marshall news and some of the other dominoes that have already fallen for the Broncos as it relates to 2019 free agency. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: All right, Zach, so the first couple dominoes have fallen for the Broncos, it would seem. Now, you had a report long before the Brandon Marshall news came out that basically kind of illuminated the reality contractually that the Broncos are kind of stuck with Ron Leary this year. Like, you know, there was some talk about him possibly being a a cap casualty, but getting into the nitty-gritty and the details of his contract, especially as it relates to certain deadlines and things like that, the Broncos are pretty much tied to him, so he's probably going to be that starting left guard for the Denver Broncos again in 2019. They just it, There's a possibility he might not be available week one.
2: Yeah, a chunk of his salary was guaranteed against injury, so if he can't pass a physical by March 17th, I believe it is, and he won't, uh, that salary is coming to him, and the Broncos would swallow more to get rid of him than to keep him. So he will be back as it stands now. Um, he's coming off that Achilles. It's not going to be easy to come back from that for a player who relies on his back pedal, his explosion, and his feet, and his base. Um, but when he's healthy, he's a great player, borderline pro bowler. Under Mike Munchak, I think he would thrive, and he's a, a key cog in keeping that interior pressure off Joe Flacco, who cannot move around at all. So the Broncos need Ronald Leary. He will be back, but now the focus turns to center and right tackle. Paradis and Veldier are both free agents. They have to keep this front five together for continuity sake with a new quarterback of rookie, you know, rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator. Um, that's the next decision. Now, but Ron O'Leary, all intents and purposes, will be back um, hopefully for week one.
1: Yeah. And one thing that we talked about before we get to the Brandon Marshall stuff um, that I talked about with Eric on Monday was just kind of the way the, the lay of the land is kind of shaping up as it relates to Matt Paradis. And, Things just aren't looking good there. We heard from Benjamin Albright last week that uh, it might have even been the week before. I'm, I'm starting to lose track of time here because I'm consumed with football. But that the Broncos lowballed Paradis on an offer in December, and they haven't really gotten any closer to working it something out. And I think it was Jason Fitzgerald of OverTheCap.com. He had a series of tweets late last week, which basically projected that Paradis is in line for a three-year I think it's something close to $32 million contract. So averaging out to $10.7 so nearly $11 million a year for Matt Paradis is out there. Broncos, I just don't see them being willing to pony up that kind of money for Matt Paradis when you have a Connor McGovern, you have a sure. Sam Jones on the roster. So I continue my message to Broncos fans is prepare yourselves for the departure of Matt Paradis, who, you know, you tip your cap to him, you wish him well on, on whatever his next path is because – He was a big-time contributor on that underrated kind of patchwork offensive line that helped the Broncos win a world championship.
2: Yeah, there's rumblings that he wants to be the NFL's highest-paid center, and I'm with you. I don't see Elway poning up that kind of cash. I'm hopeful that they'll kind of meet in the middle, but knowing Elway, he'll have a number, and he'll stick to that number. And Paradis, I mean, he's entitled to how he feels. He's been performing as a top-five center in the NFL when healthy. Um,
0: When fall is more of a mindset than an actual season, when your cozy sweater is more of a symbol than an actual style, and when the person looking back at you in the mirror agrees that it's time your summer gets a fall refresh... Grab a new Blood Orange Dunkin' Refresher. Blood Orange and cranberry flavors mixed with fall spices. It's the perfect fall refresh because you can never fall too hard. Even if some would debate whether it's quite fall yet. America runs on Duncan. Price
3: and participation may vary.
0: Limited time offer. Terms apply. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, out.
3: The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach Um, He,
2: he hadn't miss a snap. He's, he's coming off that injury. So we have to see how he'll come back from that. He's at hip surgery. He's going to be in his 30s. He has some risks there. I would prefer the Broncos obviously bring him back. But if he's holding firm to a number, he's going to be the best center on the open market by far. He will get close to that number by another team. The question is, will the Broncos match that? I'm, I'm with you. I see Elway and his ego and his, his negotiating strategy. He'll have a ballpark number he's set on, and that's it. You either come up to it or down to it, or and that's, you know you can walk. Right. So
1: prepare yourselves, Broncos country. But Ronald Larry will be back at some point probably. I mean, odds tell us nowadays Achilles can be tough. It's no guarantee that a guy recovers uh, completely from a, uh, an Achilles, especially a 300-plus pounder. But just with the state-of-the-art of – sports medicine and and surgeries being what they are and rehabilitation processes being shortened and uh, speeded up, so to speak. The odds are he's going to be back in the saddle at some point in the first quarter of the season. So that takes care of one piece. We don't know. You reported on Monday as well, Zach, that uh, Jared Valdir, who some have surmised might be considering retirement because he's 31, going to be 32 uh, in the very near future. That he might be considering retirement, but as you reported on
2: Monday, doesn't sound like he's thinking that. Uh, Reportedly, he has no plans to retire. He's going on his age 32 campaign, his 10th NFL season. Um, He he missed four games last year, but I think when healthy, he's a pretty solid tackle. And the Broncos have had such crap there for the last couple years with Watson and Stevenson. He solidified a nightmare position for Denver. I just think, though, they'll try to explore an upgrade out there because he's good, but he's not great. Juwan James is one player I'd keep in mind. The Broncos wanted to get him in a trade last year. Now they can sign him as a free agent. I have to give up any draft picks for him, and he would be an upgrade on Veldier. Falling, you know, failing that, I think he'll be a fallback plan, a Plan B. Um, he won't cost much. He knows the system. I think he would do well under Munchak. So I would look for Veldier to come back, but I think the Broncos first will look for an upgrade.
1: I just kind of I look at it like this: you got four key cogs hitting free agency on the O line. Matt Paradis already covered him. Veldier. Billy Turner and then Max Garcia. I think Max Garcia is probably going to be allowed to walk or at least, you know, test the market and maybe brought back on a very short term, team friendly type of deal because he's recovering from his own injury, right? He finished the season on injured reserve. Hopefully not, though. To me, it just kind of feels like I know the Bronx are going to have some money to spend, but it just kind of feels like you kind of they're going to end up deciding between bringing, paying some money for Veldeer or Billy Turner. So if it comes down to that, because Billy Turner started a lot of games last year and he's a utility guy he's a versatile player can play anywhere on the o-line basically let me put it to you this way zach if you were calling the shots in denver all right you have a limited budget all right your salary cap is what it is if it came down to a decision where you had to choose between billy turner who's significantly younger as well than jared velder between those two who do you bring back you base it on need as well you base it on where your o-line is which one would you prioritize if you were calling the shots in denver
2: I don't even think it's close. Jared Valdir, he won't command that much more. He's a natural tackle. His ceiling is that of a solid starter, whereas Turner is a natural guard. His ceiling is that of a quality utility player. Um, If the money's close, which it should be, I would bring back Valdir, absolutely. I'd like to have Billy Turner. You always want those swing guys, but you have Elijah Wilkinson who came on last year. Um, He's a good backup to have. You have Sam Jones developing. You have Mike Munchak who will pound the table for anyone in the draft or for agency to bring in and develop in his system. So no brainer to me, bring back Jared Valdir. Veldeer, Vel- excuse yeah. me, over Billy Turner.
1: See, and that's where I'll disagree with you, is I think if I if I were faced with that decision, looking at I'm weighing several things. I'm weighing cost because Jared Veldeer is probably going to want more because right tackles typically are going to command more than interior players. And even though Billy Turner started four games at right tackle, he's he can play there if you need him to. He's younger, and I think he proved last year that wherever you put him, He played well. And even though he was that sixth guy for the Denver Broncos, kind of that, you know, the sixth guy off the bench, or the first guy off the bench, so to speak, the sixth offensive lineman, I think he proved that he can play as a starter at a high level in this league. And so I think when you weigh his age, his upside potential, compared to Jared Valdir, you get into a kind of a dicey situation. But what mitigates that perspective, what might counter that, so to speak, is your point that the right tackle position has plagued the Broncos for so long. And here you have at your fingertips the one player who provided you quality play at that position. Really the first guy that did that since 2015 at least. But maybe even the best right tackle the Broncos have had in the John Elway era.
2: Absolutely. I don't think it's even close. I mean, he found a hopeful franchise left tackle in Garrett Bowles. He did well with Harris, He did well signing Ronald Leary, you know, drafting Connor McGovern. But right tackle had escaped him, and he finally found a solution there. So, I mean, that's why I think if you have a guy who's probably willing to come back, maybe even swallow some money, I bring it back over Turner. And I always remember covering the Dolphins when Turner was a starter there. Fans were running him out of town, same way Broncos fans ran Stevenson out of town. So it wasn't pretty. Uh, Broncos fans are so so used to seeing underperforming tackles that anyone who's Semi-competent would look good there. But I think Valdir is more important. This is my opinion over uh, Billy Turner. I hope both can be brought back, but I would definitely put Valdir over uh, Turner.
1: Yeah, fair points, fair points. And it's certainly something being, if it hasn't been debated at Dove Valley yet, it certainly will in the uh, weeks and months to come. Free agency kicks off uh, in the second week of March. So officially teams can sign players on the 13th, but then you have that legal uh, tampering period. opens a couple days before that, so we'll see if anything shakes up or shapes up, I should say, before then, but that's probably when we're going to start getting our answers to some of these free agent questions anyway, but the other domino that fell is Brandon Marshall. Now, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise or a shock to Broncos country because after he just has struggled with the injury the last couple of years in particular, missed so many starts last year. You know, he appeared in 11 games, but he was making 8000000 million-plus last season, and he only started seven games for the Denver Broncos. So for them to turn the page and, and notify him, Zach, that, look, we're not going to pick up your 2019 option, I think it was the right move. But now the question becomes, what do the Broncos do to upgrade and bolster that position, especially now with Fanju coming in and it being – such a, a a scheme that is so dependent on that position.
2: Uh, you draft Devin White, if you really want to take that to the next level in Vic Fangio's defense. If they get rid of Brandon Marshall, which they will, um, Josie Jewell, to me, is a solid starter in the meantime, but you pair him with Todd Davis, that's not really an exciting inside linebacking core. You know, There's no really dynamic players. They're both good against the run, questionable against the pass, and that's where Brandon Marshall has always you know struggled. He was good against the run. He was a, a good, if not... You know he's not a great player, but he was a serviceable player. But the injuries—he—he's getting too highly paid now. The Broncos are going to save five million dollars against the cap. That's a lot of money. Um, how they upgrade though—it it all depends on what Vic Fangio wants to do with that core. If he feels Josie Jewell can succeed based on what he's seen on tape so far, um, they'll go another way in that in that first round with a cornerback or a quarterback. Um, but Brandon Marshall's a goner. A goner, excuse me. Josie Jewell, to me, though, Chad, I don't know if you disagree with me. He's just not that dynamic when you look at a player like Devin White, who you salivate over.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think Josie Jewell, especially the first half of the season, I mean, Josie Jewell was out kicking his coverage. He was playing above what I expected him to be able to do as a rookie. And once he got more playing time and you got into that point in the season in which a, a player that's less than a year removed from his college career you know, you hit that rookie wall where by that point in the season you're used to being off now, waiting for your bowl game, right. and yet you still have basically a whole other season left to be played in the NFL. He kind of hit that wall. His play regressed a little bit. I'm not throwing him to the curb. I don't disagree with you that he's nowhere near the dynamic talent that a player like Devin White is, but I do I do maintain some hope that you bring in better coaching. Because let's face it, I mean, the Broncos didn't have the greatest coaches on the defensive side of the ball last year, at least at the most crucial points, right? You had Vance Joseph who oftentimes had to take over play calling duties for Joe Woods when Joe Woods went way out into the weeds and you had a Broncos defense from week 5, 6, and 7 that looked like they'd never seen a running game. They never had to defend a running game in the history of their lives. <laughs> you know, you had Vance Joseph step in and have to turn the ship around, so to speak, but even that was fair to middling. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how Fangio's, you know, passion for teaching, his coaching expertise and savvy there can impact a player like Josie Jewell, who is so, you know, his football IQ is off the charts. He's never gonna be the twitchiest, he's never gonna be the fastest guy, but he can be a tackling machine, and I think in the right environment, he can he can still be a more than serviceable NFL linebacker. However, you can't go into an NFL season. Relying in a Fangio scheme, anyway, relying on a two down thumper and Todd Davis. And as our friend Benjamin Albright categorized uh, Josie Jewell as a run funnel guy, you need some more dynamic guys who can turn around, who can run with tight ends, who can cover zones with wide receivers, speedy guys flying left and right, instinctive guys. So who knows? We'll see how they prioritize it. And with Joe Flacco in the fold, they might just say, you know what? Devin White's on the board at pick 10. Instead of, you know, Drew Locke's gone, uh, Dwayne Haskins has been taken. Instead of rolling the dice on an unknown quantity, a five foot nine and some change quarterback in Kyler Murray, we're going to go ahead and take Devin White. Or, like Eric Trickle said on Monday's show, if you do get your quarterback in round one, you can go for a, a Jermaine Pratt-type player in round two, that kid from NC State who really showed out at the Senior Bowl. So there's going to be some options in this draft to upgrade. And if you can come away, dude, with C.J. Mosley mm. in free agency, man, ha- yeah. half the battle's already fought. I mean, you've won a half the battle, but it still sounds like the Ravens are going to try and get something done at the 11th hour there.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Mosley stays with the Ravens. He'd be a tremendous upgrade. I'd love to have him. Uh, but that's a fair point you make, that coaching should make all the difference. Uh, I know that all too well. And um, if Josie Jewell, who shined under Vance Joseph at, at times, I think he would thrive under Vic Fangio. The coaching's no difference there. The only person who knows what he wants to do right now is Vic Fangio after watching tape. He will relay that to John Elway. They will make a collective call to go from there. Um, they have some options, more so in the draft, but how they want to attack it is based on what Fangio sees in Jewel on tape so far.
1: All right. Well, you heard it here, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to do it, though, for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We're going to be back on Thursday. Expect an episode of Building the Broncos tomorrow. I'm not sure what the dudes are going to talk about, Nick and Carl, on the show Wednesday, but stay tuned. I'm sure it's going to be highly illuminating draft type of content and discussion there. In the meantime, you know what's coming Friday. That's going to be our VIP mailbag day. But you let us know on Twitter. You can let us know on the VIP forums, MHH Insiders on the website what you want Zach and I to talk about on Thursday and we will do our best to oblige you. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at, uh, at Huddle Up Pod. Also, take some time, leave that creative review, rate the show. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Let us know that you are listeners of the Huddle Up Podcast. Let us know if you're a VIP subscriber and speaking for myself, I will follow you back. Love engaging with the the people who are dedicated to the content and the work that Zach and I put out. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you again on Thursday.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.